This episode of Tag's podcast is sponsored by BlueChew.com. Last longer in bed and do it with confidence every time. Get your first order free. Go to BlueChew.com and use our promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S, at checkout. Chew it and do it. What's going on? You are listening to TAGS Podcast, a.k.a. Talk About Gay Sex. I'm your host, Steve Rodriguez. Traveling a little bit for this holiday season and excited to bring you a brand new episode, episode 132, as I talk to my special guest today, Sebastian Lacaz, a friend of mine, but you may know him from his series Hustling, which was super sexy and well done. I really get into it today about his upcoming project called Holy Water, a short film that hopefully will segue into a series My conversation with him was so enlightening. He reveals so much. I just love this guy so much, and I think you are too. Check it out. That's coming up in just a few minutes here. But don't forget, we are going to be doing our holiday broadcast. It will be recorded, but if you're going to be in New York City on Saturday, December 14th, Come by Barba, Barba Hair Salon on West 19th Street in the Chelsea neighborhood between 7th and 8th Avenue. It's where I get my hair cut. And I love this place so much that we decided to partner up with them and do a sort of barbershop recorded uh, podcast where we're going to be talking all good things gay sex and talking about um, if you come in, you can get a free consultation by my barber, Xavier, who's really hot, by the way. You want to check that out. But also, uh, we're going to have some holiday cheer. My partners, my co-host, Jeremy Ross Lopez, and Lincoln will be with me. And come say hi with us. We've got some swag for you. We also got some protein bakery, which is Lincoln's uh, business. And there's some tasty treats. Plus, have a glass of wine with us or a beer and just say hi. It'll be 2 p.m. in New York City at Barba Hair Salon on Saturday, December 14th. And we'd love to see you. So let's get into my interview with my good friend, my buddy, uh, the one and only Sebastian Lacaz. So I'm very excited today to be with my friend. I am here in Los Angeles today. He is a filmmaker, an actor, a triple threat, actually. His name <laughs> is Sebastian Lacaz. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we're friends, but I'm such a big fan of all of your work. And just so people know a little bit about your background, and we'll get into your current short film, Holy Water, that I really want to talk about. But in general, um, you've been an actor for so many years. You've been in theater, Rocky Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, Chicago, Revival on Broadway, but you've also been in films, uh, Bear City, which is a favorite, Keep the Lights On. I really loved your part in Ira Sachs' film, mm-hmm. Showgirls. Who knew that? <laughs> oh, what did you play in Showgirls? Oh, my God. I was, that was like, I was 24 <laughs> years old. That was like, I just... So a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah, just a few, <laughs> just a few years ago. Um, I had just moved to Los Angeles, actually, um, my early 20s. Um, yeah, and I was just a, a dancer, and then um, I played... Uh, I had a small role in like the backstage um, scenes of uh, at the Goddess show in Vegas, where uh, her character, you know, she gets yes, into the show yes. with like Crystal Connors and all of that. So there's some like dressing room scenes, and I play Sal, the straight one. Oh, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. What mm-hmm. does it feel like to be in such a cult, iconic <laughs> film for so many people and gays, of course? I mean, it's it's amazing. It's uh, it's just so funny to look back on that. It was so long ago, and you know, obviously, we didn't know it was going to be a cult classic. Sure. You know, everyone thought it was going to be the next Flash Dance. We were, <laughs> and we it was a like the number one job that year. It was like Marguerite Derricks was the choreographer. It was like all the amazing dancers, um, the hot dancers of the time, and you know, we all were just like living our best lives making this movie that we thought was just going to be like, you know, the next big hit and not the next big flop that it turned out to be. But then over time turns into, you know, the cult classic that it has become. Yeah. I mean, it's just fun, I guess. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a fun, fun thing to be a part of. 
You were also in some TV shows, obviously. Orange is the New Black. You tend to play characters, the bad guys, the... the and, and in Orange is the New Black, yeah. in the early episodes, you are... What's your character? Because you're kind of why they're in prison. Right, yeah. I'm in um, Laura Prepon's flashbacks. I play Fari. I end up being the guy who, yeah, initially gets her character involved in the selling of the drugs that ultimately, you know, leads to her um, uh, jail time. And that just kind of unfolded in a nice way because they hired me for one scene, um, which was me sort of showing up unannounced at a, at a party that she was throwing with Piper. Right. And so I'm just there and I'm sort of like saying, you know, we want you to be performing better. And so just sort of like showing her character sort of like, I think, um, a little bit um, uncomfortable and like not as confident as she had been portrayed up until this point, really. Sure. You sort of see her kind of vulnerable and a little, little bit, you know, worried. So that was the first scene. And then they just wrote me into a couple more episodes and we hey, went back. We great. went further back. Yeah. And then you see that uh, how I met her when she was went to see her father. I was the drug dealer that was there with yep. her father because her father was a rock star. So I was like yep. the drug dealer in the dressing room and like we kind of bond and then and then our relationship sort of takes off from there. One of the things I love about you and your work is you can play these character actors that have accents. I think certainly in this one, were you Middle Eastern? I was, but I didn't have an accent. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, with yeah. the name, I remember <laughs> yeah. in, was it Bear City? <laughs> Bear City had an accent, yes. Yes? Yes. I mean, which I think was great, but if probably if you, I think if you have spoke to some actual Spaniards, they probably would disagree, but, you know, I did my best. It was amazing. And then, of course, uh, in Ira Sachs is Keep the Lights On, You're Hopped Up. Uh, that was just a druggie, yeah. Drug, yeah, but, I mean, are these parts... Do you love playing these kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun watching you because you seem to... I know you now as a yeah. friend, and whenever I've seen these, you are nothing like the person I know. And right. so, I don't know. Oh, well, that's nice. I mean, yeah. I mean, acting is just uh, so... F I mean, it's just fun to sort of like, you know, dive into a role and play around and sort of lose yourself and, and sort of become this other uh, person and just sort of explore that. That's sort of the fun of acting, you know? Well, there was a web series you wrote, developed, shot directed, probably did catering... <laughs> Um, that was yeah. so successful. I think you had three seasons of hustling. Yeah. Uh, loved, loved it. I got to be a snippet in the final, one of the final episodes, I believe. Or the final season. Final season. You were, you were in, you were in the first episode of the final season. And people should watch it. You can watch it on YouTube and all the platforms right now. It's a, it's a Deku, as Deku, I, Deku that you learned and earlier. I did, and then also um, Amazon Prime. You can watch it on Amazon. And Prime. it's essentially about a. You call it an aging porn star, but now I don't know that. Would you say that anymore? He's in his forties, and these days with OnlyFans, everyone's has their. You know, they're in well into their fifties. True, true. Yeah, this was this was <laughs> before OnlyFans. Uh, burst onto the scene. Well, yeah, where I think um, it's funny. I mean, I think I think I was, which I kind of even have done with my new project. It's sort of like my I kind of funnel my own life experience into these stories, even though I wasn't a sex worker <laughs> or right. a porn star. I had just turned forty and was sort of like at this crossroad, w w wanting to do more, um, but not knowing what. So it was sort of like, that's sort of the background that I used for that. And um, I had just come from a trip to LA and I had met a couple of porn stars and uh, two different ages, one really young, one in his thirties. And they both sort of went, um, feelings about their um, involvement in the porn industry, but underneath Underneath it all, both of them desperately wanted out, but they just didn't really know how to get out. Right. So that was, I thought that was super interesting. Very, and then yeah. I just added my own life experience of like, oh, well, what if he's 40? And then like, what can I do? And that sort of was the jumping off point for hustling. It's, it's so, I love it so much. I highly recommend it. Hustling, it's called. You've won awards. I'd also, you've had great actors on it, including Gerald McCulloch, who's been mm -hmm. on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Daphne Rubin Daphne, Vega. You love her. There. Yeah. Will 
Nelson Cruz came on, did a couple Jay episodes. Rodriguez. Dre Rodriguez made a cameo in the in the third season. Um, Kevin oh. Spiritus. Steven, my favorite. Ste- Steven Guarino. Who makes He's me laugh. my porn agent. In yes. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. talk about changing. He's so comedic and is comedic, mm-hmm. but it's like sleazy. Yeah. It, I highly recommend that. Well, okay. So let's get into your current project, Holy Water. Sure. And I guess before we get into it, I feel you wrote something on your page that you say, you I want to tell stories that help erase lines, not magnify them. I believe storytelling is one of the most powerful influencers. It can help elicit change and affect lives for better by igniting conversation and emotions. My goal is to inspire and uplift by telling stories about human beings, making changes from within to live fuller lives and how deliciously messy that is. Yeah. You definitely say more on there. Um, Was there a change after this resume at work, and we only listed a little bit of it, that to expand on on this, what I just read, where you wanted to just create meaningful content on your own? For sure. Well, actually, I mean, it really, to get into all that, it really started with my own journey where um, probably about three, maybe like three, three and a half years ago, I had just, I was in this place in my life where, I mean, I guess I would say it was not like rock bottom, but I mean, it was definitely, I was not in a great place. I, um, I did two relationships back to back, 15 year, and then I was in like the fourth year of uh, the relationship that would be a five year right out of that. So it was sort of like 20 years of relationships, <laughs> being uh, an artist for the past couple of decades and always trying to be what I thought was necessary for a role or necessary to be successful in the industry on top of growing up biracial in Ohio and then being gay. There was just so much. And then I, you know, through all my experiences in life up to that point, I was sort of lost. I was like, I had no idea who I was. So this all began with my own personal transformation. Started sort of taking a step back. I started meditating. And honestly, that really changed everything. I started meditating probably a year before the, my second relationship ended. And I really think that was, that's, that was the beginning of change, really, for me, was um, um, taking that time to, to go within. And I discovered so many things about myself and things that I know that if I experienced them and I was, I was thinking these thoughts and having these experiences, I wasn't alone. And I know so many people were having them. And I just got to this point where I realized that I really had been running away from myself my whole life. I never, I had never wanted to be the, the me I was at any given time. Like, when I was a kid, I was raised by a single mother. I didn't want to have a single mother. I wanted to have two parents, and, and I was biracial. I didn't want to be biracial. I was growing up in a white neighborhood. I wanted to be white. I wanted my family to be like everyone else. And then I, I, when I discovered I was gay, then I didn't want to be gay. So it was, there was, I was always pushing things away, pushing parts of myself down and running away and trying to, and then, which this is such a human thing. This is what we, we, we're all conditioned in this way to um, behave a certain way so that we all want to be liked, we all want to be loved, and so that we start sort of um, behaving in a way to elicit these responses and approval approval from others. And I know it seems kind of basic, but I think you can understand certain things intellectually, and then you just come to your a point in your life where you start to really understand them on a much deeper level. I was just like, wow, I have never stood in my own skin. And then when I started acting, I didn't want to be a gay actor. So it was like, so again, it was just another layer. So many things like well, hiding. By the very definition of acting, you're morphing yourself into somebody else's voice. And sure. certainly if anyone knows anything about Hollywood or even theater, you are, you know, from the headshot to the casting, you're really morphing yourself into this vision, which yeah. totally is, it's work, but it's also stripping away anything that is you. Right. You're just like sort of curating this image right, of what you think you're supposed to be. After just decades of that, you know, I think it started to, to, to um, 
wear on me. Is that the right way to yeah, say sure. that? Sure, let's go with it. Sure. Once I started having all these revelations, these realizations about how um, I just wasn't, I didn't feel like I had really been my authentic self my entire life, then suddenly that's all I was reaching for. I just wanted to reach for authenticity in my own life. And I took it, I actually like kind of took a step back from acting and, which was really great. Uh, for the first time in my life, actually, I got dropped by my agent that I had here in LA. I'd been here in LA for five years and I had already been through like three represent three um, different agencies. Um, yeah. Reps. I wasn't dropped by the other ones. This final one, I ended up getting dropped by them. But really, when you think about it, I sort of, I had sort of set all of that into motion because I was being drawn and pulled to something else. And it's so crazy that when that, when that happened, I actually got really emotional. I was really excited because I saw so much, I was like, wow, this is the beginning of, of change. Right. And it was really exciting from being with an agent for so many years, even when I was dancing, like I've always had an agent, like since I was, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old or whatever. And when you, uh, especially when you're acting uh, later in life, when I was acting, you're so aware of the calendar and you're so aware of aging and you're so aware of how much time you have left. And you're, it's just like, you know, you have these, you have episodics or shooting at a certain time and then it's pilot season and then it's, you know, everything is, race, is yeah. all around the calendar. My agents released me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suddenly felt like I had so much time. I had all the time in the world. It was one of the most beautiful in a freeing way, though. feelings I had ever experienced. I was like, wow, I don't feel that pressure anymore. And I suddenly felt like I had, well, first of all, I felt like my life was just beginning. And I suddenly felt like I had all this time. So it was a really beautiful moment for me. So, well, and I want to get into holy water, but yeah. at this time, are what's going on with relationships? Because you mentioned a few, and were they healthy? Did they coincide with what's going on personally? Oh no! At this point, I was single. Okay. So I started meditating, and then my that my five year relationship came to an end probably about a year later, and so I've been single for two years. And it's been the most amazing time. Just, it's just, it's like all the cliches that you hear all your life. And then when you get to the point and you suddenly start experiencing them, you feel basic, but you're like, oh, well, this is why they're cliches because they um, happen all the time. And, yeah. but once you, um, once they become meaningful, you. To you. Yeah. Personally. You're like, oh, but it's like. I, you know, self-love is such a, a big thing. And I realized that I had never, I didn't, I didn't love myself my whole life, you know, and once or, or realize my value, you know, because this is something common for all gay men. It's like, you're, once you realize you're gay and then you have to keep it a secret because society doesn't deem you worthy and maybe your family doesn't. So you're already starting your life from a place of lack. You know, like right. you're not good enough. You're, you're already feeling unworthy. And then for me, once, once I started having sex with men, then I suddenly found value. Like, oh, I put my value on my sexual relationships and men, like that's where my value was. These people wanted to either sleep with me or be in relationships with me. So therefore I have value based on this, you know, and it's so backwards. I didn't have, I didn't know I was getting all my my value from outside sources. So through this sort of awakening or very transformative past couple of years that I've had, you know, where I was like found, I discovered my my actual value and worthiness as a human being and being in, um, on this earth, in this body, you know, alive um, in this time and space, you know, w with the power of focus and realizing that I am the creator of my reality based on how I guide my thoughts and how I'm feeling. Once you realize that you are in control, oh my God, everything changes. And that's really what personal empowerment is or empowerment is right. and knowing your value and knowing um, that you are worthy of And you deserve all your just dreams. as much as anyone else. Yeah, yeah, because you know, for so many years I didn't. And I even think that happened to me in my career as an actor. I got to a point where like suddenly my negative beliefs about myself were stronger than my desire to 
be a creator or, you know what I mean? So once your, your negative beliefs are ahead of your d- desires, you're not going anywhere. Oh yeah. No, that's you know? absolutely. And I'm just curious because you talked a lot about being a gay man and coming to that, owning that, but I'm just personally curious at being ethnic and my own coming out process also had to do with me you know, not accepting my brownness and yeah. oh not, my God. and being teased for so many totally. years as a little as a kid and mm-hmm. ignoring that, but that has yeah. an impact on you. And then later being totally. uh, exoticized because then I was a go-go dancer and then right. everyone was like, you know, yeah. and that must do some mind fuck on some level. It does, yeah. That's sort of I think so, it's just sort of like a, a yeah. It's still getting your validation from outside sources. It's like once you learn that it's that, it's that thing like that we've heard a million times, like you have everything within you. Right. And, but until you really understand that, it's all sounds like bullshit, but, but you really do. Everything you seek is within you. Who says that? I think Rumi, Rumi, I think was the philosopher who said that. And everything you seek is within you. And when you take that time, you, um, to go within, you discover all of that. And once I found the value in myself, I suddenly saw the value in my community. And because even with hustling, I was like, oh, it's not a gay show. No, no, no. It's not a gay show. No, I was just always pushing against. It's more than a gay show. It's more than a gay show. But Almost over-talking that selling point. But it really was more than. It was more than a gay show. But at the same time, it's like. What am I trying to. Right. Now that I found value in myself, now I want more than anything to create content for my community so I can help my community love themselves because if I didn't love myself for fucking 30 years, 48 years, then I know that there are, you know, a ton of millions of gay boys out there, gay boys and girls who feel the same way. And that's really what holy water is about. It's really what I want to do. It's, um, start this conversation. It's, it's an upcoming short film that you wrote that um, we'll talk about it, where the inspiration came from. It's about a gay priest. It's about a gay priest, but it's realizing that oppression and homophobia is, I believe, is is really where disease starts. It's about a gay priest who is coming to terms with an HIV diagnosis. I truly believe that that lack of value affects your thought patterns and your behaviors. And... For many years, I believed that it was me against the world. Um, and now I've come to realize that it's it's not that way at all. That actually the way that things unfold are to, are they're setting you up for success. The What gets in our way is, is our humaning, our own mind. That's what's pulling out the rug from us. Life isn't setting you up to pull the rug out from under you. Right. That's just not how it works. But we kind of believe that. We've been conditioned to believe that based on our parents and other people who have gone through stuff and how life always sucks and things are not going to work out for you and life is hard. And, and these are all the stories that we tell ourselves. I really wanted to start this conversation, join, not start, join, because I'm not the first person to say these things. I wanted to join that conversation about oppression and homophobia leading to disease. You know, I grew up in the Catholic church. Catholicism has always been a part of you know, Catholic guilt and all of that. Yeah. If you open up any paper, there's headlines galore about molestations going on, mm-hmm. both gay, both, you know, hetero, which I think is interesting and riveting about the story you're going to tell. And I'm wondering with maybe it will be giving away too much, but does he have to come to terms because of the status or because otherwise would he have just smashed his feelings about you know being gay he probably would have smashed his feelings okay but uh, yeah so just to also to clarify um yeah the 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 priest in holy water in my film is not a pedophile there's n- there's no pedophilia yeah in, no I, I didn't mean to suggest know, that no but, i know yeah, but yeah. it's like Let's of get course it there, that, yeah. yeah it like because some people can't differentiate sure homosexuality with pedophilia. So let's clarify that right now. They're completely different things, and this is just a gay man who is a priest. Got it, got it. This film, Holy Water, sort of came about from a monologue that I wrote probably 10 to 15 years ago. I was in New York. I took this writing class, a casting director in New York, and it was the time 
when actors were doing one-man shows. So sure. it was sort of like, okay, maybe after this workshop, you'll have some characters to like start a one-man show. And you invite all people, industry people. Right. right. Yeah. Well, but th- this was just like a jumping off point. This was Got like, it. oh, maybe I'll do a one-man show. Like, it was just like a writing thing for actors. But like, that's what actors were doing at the time. This was pre-web series. Yep. It was like people were doing one-man shows, right? One person, one person shows. Let's bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> so the, one of the assignments or the assignment was to go through some you know media and find um, an inspiration article. And so I was researching online. I don't know how I found it, but somehow I was led to this Pandora, Pandora's box of all these articles about priests with HIV. Wow. I was like, oh my God, how? And it was like years and years. There were studies. There were cases that started back in the 80s. Like it's been happening from the beginning of the epidemic. So So believable, but... But it's like They've, clearly the church has done a good job of you know which which uh, is not, what they're really good at right yes. sweeping things under the rug right. keeping secrets you know that sort of thing I was shocked that like there were so many articles I'm shocked that, now so and that I had never like heard it we had never talked about that yeah so I wrote this monologue about this priest and he's like talking to someone and sort of gives a little like how he became a priest and and then he sort of like goes and you know talks about being positive and like his you know the guilt that he all just whatever I wrote the monologue performed it in the class you know whatever and then it just sat on my computer for until a couple of years ago and I was at my job I was working at Petit Hermitage at the time bartending um, there at their rooftop and I was on break with some co-workers and who obviously were other actors as well sure and I was talking to with Roxy um, Roxanne Morrison who is actually now producing the film with me we were talking about being creative and I brought up this monologue and she goes that would make a great short and I go you're right that would make an amazing short and that's really how that's it started. So- Organic so, and cool, but yeah. yeah. So then I t- went back and looked at the monologue and then like started working on writing the script for the, the short. That's really where it all came from. And you had a Kickstarter campaign successfully reached your goal. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Which is a great feat. And I watched the video that led to this. Right. So you, know, you created this really stylistic that you, I got a vision of what holy water could be right and there's a point in there where yeah. it's just you yeah. talking to, yeah you know obviously to potential investors yeah. i wasn't going to do i wasn't planning on doing a kickstarter because i had done them with hustling it had been like five years i was like i don't even know if i have the 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 same support that same momentum of people the audience i don't know if they're still there i like i so that was a little and we were da- just talking offline on the pressure it is because it's a 30 day campaign that you have to raise yeah, whatever it's all your or goal nothing. is yeah it's yeah, all or nothing so, you either get it or you don't yeah so i was just like i was a little apprehensive so um last year um like i told you i had been raising money on my own reaching out to individual people i had been doing a lot of i applied for some grants i did a lot of writing which ended up being i didn't get any of the grants I, did, I raised some money from individuals. Uh, and writing on holy water? On writing on holy water. Like, and who I am as a filmmaker. Or, got it. A filmmaker, so, which I had never done before. I wrote a mission statement. So it was... It ended up being, even though I didn't get any of those grants, it ended up being a really important part of the process because clarify so much of just who I am and what I want to do as a filmmaker. So then randomly, one of my friends, Mark Sinaway, who um, is an actor who was in Hustling, he reaches out to me. He goes, um, hey, I'm, this thing that I'm in is, is going to be screening at this uh, festival in Los Angeles, so I'm going to be in LA. I was like, okay, great, cool, whatever. Queer X Fest or something like that. So I went and looked it up just to see what, what it was. Sure. And so I'm looking around and then I see that there's a pitch fest. And then I'm really into vision boards. So I'm sitting at my computer and my new vision board is like to my right on, on the outside of this closet. And I see pitch fest and I look over at my vision board and twice on my vision board is is pitch. One is the art of the pitch and the other is pitch. Where Uh, one might call it coincidence. You know, we know that it's, it's it's life setting you up. It's just like things that are unfolding. It's like follow. This is if you follow the guidance and listen and open your eyes. Yes. This is what I'm saying. Like life isn't putting these things in front of me to then pull the rug out from under. Right. That it doesn't work like that. And it's only our own roadblocks, personal ones that if I got scared or like start doubting myself or like doing that, that's what's pulling the rug out from under. And probably where meditation helps, because we are going to get scared and question, right. but to 
meditate it through. Right. And just to remember that like, no, um, things are working out and that you should trust the unfolding of things. Trust it. Trust it. So anyway, I was like, okay, well, obviously I'm supposed to go to this pitch fest, right? But I didn't really have... I had, you weren't prepared I, exactly. Not, right? I wasn't prepared. I had I had developed started developing um, Holy Water into a series, but it was a completely different. I had a completely different sort of series. It was called Lamb of God. It was something else, and I was like, mm, I'm not sure if that's what I want. And I reached out to Roxy, and I'm like, I told her this, the vision board. Roxy being the, the producer, yes. the friend, co-worker, from, yes. co-worker who is now producing the short with me. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to go to this. And she's like, yes, yes, yes. But then I, of course, I was like, well, if I don't have an idea, then I'm not going to go because I yeah. want to make sure. And she's like, you're going. I was like, okay, whatever. We like Roxy. Yeah, she was great. <laughs> so I thought about it. And that's when I came up with new idea um, for the series called Disciples. So I went to the Pitch Fest and it's like basically speed dating oh um, with pitches. So there's like 11, I think 11 different um, digital uh, studio execs and a couple agents. And How much time do you have per... Like ten, two, three minutes. So get that elevator speech yeah, together. Yeah, so I had a whole... I had a, pay, I had a, a printout. I had a one sheet. I had my, I had my cards. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, Prepared. I just want to be able to... Yeah. So I had been pitching, and here's me. I'm the guy pitching the series about the gay priest with HIV. Like that's... <laughs> well, who, but, are, who are some of these producer types? I mean, are they... You said it was a queer... Film festival, yeah. so I'm assuming they're open-minded. I hope. Oh yeah, it was yeah. great. No, people were uh, but people were heavy very material intrigued. Is what you're I mean, but alluding like, to? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just sort of like, oh, okay, not a rom-com, not a rom-com, yeah. <laughs> and sort of like, a, 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 I would think an original idea that Absolutely. you know that something that people haven't really been talking about or heard of. This one executive, and he's actually from a network, and so I'm pitching it to him, and he's like. Uh, it's going great. He's like really, I could tell he's really into it. And Body language. Yeah. Just, he's just like very, yeah. He's Intrigued. just like in, listening to me. He's like really into it. So the two minutes is up, I'm getting ready to move on. So, I mean, he goes, so he goes, why are you the person to tell the story? Like I said in the, you got two minutes the, here. the pitch video for the Kickstarter. Which I, I was referencing. Yes. Right. So I don't know what it was about that moment, but I just opened up to him and I said, because I'm HIV positive. And he was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, he was like, oh, he seemed even more, mm-hmm. um, uh, he was even more um, in- intrigued or it was even more appealing to him. But I was like, I, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, I just, wow, I just said that. Right. I just said that to a complete stranger, like at an, an executive, like at a, like at a st- studio. Like it and just seemed so, t- it right. so big, but I was, I felt, it felt incredibly freeing. I was like, oh my God, wow. It, it was just a big turning m- point for me sure. and, and will and has become a defining moment in my life because once that happened, then suddenly I was, I had, I had, I saw a whole thing. I was like, you're going to do a Kickstarter. And then in the Kickstarter video, you're going to talk about, um, your connection to the material, which is that you're, you're going to tell the world that you're positive. And once I had that idea, I was like, there was no turning back. And honestly, I was never scared. It was really weird. Once all, again, it's like trusting the unfolding of life, right? Yes. And um, so once I had this idea, I knew I couldn't go back. I didn't want to go back. And I was, I was very almost excited and um, calm about the whole thing. Um, what was it about this? Well, obviously, you told us why this moment he asked you directly and yeah. you're on your path. Yeah. Uh, but you shared a few minutes earlier about a monologue that really was the impetus for all of the story yeah. about a, a priest who contracts HIV yeah. and you're doing the monologue, acting it out. Yeah. But was there any point in that that did you ever worry that my audience is going to think that maybe I'm... I mean, obviously, they didn't think back you were then, a priest back then. But yeah, did they think uh, because the 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 project was you know write something that's personal? I'm assuming, or that means no, some- the writing workshop. No, the writing workshop was literally just find an article as an inspiration piece for a monologue for a character. But did it ever cross your mind that people might think that I'm? Yeah, oh, this was like 15 years ago. Um, maybe, but I I. I also didn't because I was like, no, it's a writing. It's an, you're an actor. Like 
I didn't think too much on it, really. And then when you're telling Roxy, does she ever ask you point blank, like, no. why did you write this? No. Did you ever share with her? No. You know, this is why I... No. Did you ever consciously think that i writing this because it's also... Did you even know you were writing it about that? Or you knew, but weren't like, because this is sort Back of... Back then? Well, I... Or if, even now, like when you well, were... Well, yeah, I was definitely positive when I wrote it all those years ago. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, Blue Chew. When we come back, more of my conversation with Sebastian Lacaz. Hey, your buddy Steve Rodriguez here, and the holiday season is here. As we get closer to stuffing and filling up our stockings, because I know we've all been naughty and nice, well, tis the season to bring cheer to your partners, and have I got the perfect little blue chewable pill for you. That's right, I'm talking blue chew. With blue chew, you get the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis in one easy little chewable pill that comes in a convenient little on-the-go packet, so you're always ready. With blue Chew, you can last longer and go extra rounds, all with the confidence you can count on in the bedroom or that hot sex party you've been planning on attending in between your holiday shopping. The chewables from BlueChew.com are prescribed online by a doctor and made in the USA. The online physician consult is free, so it's cheaper than those other two. It only takes a few minutes to connect with the BlueChew.com affiliated physician, and if you qualify, you get prescribed online quickly. So this holiday season, bring a little holiday cheer to your partner and try BlueChew. Your first order is free. Just use our promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S, at checkout. Go to BlueChew.com and do it with confidence. Again, use promo code TAGS, T-A-G-S. Get your first order free and chew it and do it. Again, quoting you, I really was affected by this statement, and I agree wholeheartedly. You write, I started creating content in 2011, and it changed my life. It was the unfolding of the realization that I was capable of more than I had ever imagined. And in some ways, it sounds such like a simple, like, of course, we don't. And people can tell you you're amazing and, and so on and so forth. But it really, with growing, and hopefully you're open to growing and learning and experiences that that statement really makes sense that we maybe don't even know what we're capable of and I don't know talk about you know the content now because I I read this because you've got an impressive resume I called I started the show off with triple threat and I love my triple threat people (laughs) and I just do I just I'm so impressed with people that can sing dance and act and you're so talented and you've had so many accolades in so many things, but there must be something more to creating your own content that's personal to you and and then helping the LGBTQ yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, yeah, suddenly I think I was saying before that suddenly I felt um, my life and my work take on a larger purpose um, that I wanted to uplift and inspire other people in my community to to love themselves. Ultimately, um, I feel like that is one of our strongest defenses against HIV and the spread of HIV. Because when you value yourself, when you know your worth and you love yourself in a real way, you think differently and you act differently and you make different choices. Doesn't mean you still won't make could make some of the same choices you made before, but you're coming from a different place mentally. So um, that's really what it's about. I'm not saying that you. I would want to discourage people from doing whatever they wanted to do. This life is about experiencing things and collecting data, as I yes. like to say. But it's all about where your mind is when you're doing that. And, and that's that's just that's sort of really important for me, and really what I want my work to be about from this point forward is is um, is helping my community um, see that part of themselves and connect and connect those dots. I mean, I can't wait to see holy water, and I understand that you're. And before we get on to what's to come or what you are planning um, after that. 
you know, we talk a lot on Tag's podcast here about HIV status and how it's changed throughout the years and how at one point people thought it was such a death sentence and, mm-hmm. you know, certainly people living undetective are, you know, it's not like... Undetectable. What, yeah, undetectable. And I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit about when you first got diagnosed and the time frame mm-hmm. and just a little bit about that and what that meant for you or... Was first diagnosed. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible. Um, About how many years ago? Experience, uh, like twenty. Okay, so definitely in a not of today, and was undetectable. There well, was. It was the beginning of that, really. Okay, and I really, I'm so grateful and um, so um, fortunate that. I was diagnosed in a time where, at the time that I was, because right, right. I, you know, got on medication right away, and actually, I've I've been undetectable pretty much for for twenty years. Right, great. You know, I th- I went on medication almost instantly and was undetectable shortly thereafter, and have remained undetect- undetectable ever since. But yeah, that is sort of another important um, aspect of the work that I would like to do is sort of helping people come to a new understanding of where we are. I'm not saying that it's um, still not an epidemic and thing, something that we have to um, focus on yeah. getting rid of, of finding a cure, all of that. But it is a different time. And I've, what I've discovered is I've become more open with my friends because actually even before I, I came out on the Kickstarter, I started to tell my some friends and stuff because I have, but it's like so crazy. I ha, it's like for I have really not told people for 20 years except for obviously the people I was with in relationships, they knew. Um, and I and I get it too. What are you going to do a press release? And it's it's really no one's business other than like you just said, yeah, those that you are intimate with and so on and so forth. But right, but you that's don't also owe anybody. A th- yeah, but that's also an important. That was also an important reason why I felt compelled to speak publicly about my status is because if I'm going to tell the story about this priest with HIV, I felt like if I was going to, um, I always get this wrong. Talk the talk, I needed to walk the walk? Or is it walk the walk, I need to talk the talk? Um, Whichever one it is. I know exactly. I just needed to You guys know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not good with sayings either, and I always get them wrong because I overthink them. Yeah. Maybe it's a Capricorn thing. We're both Capricorns. We're both Capricorns. (laughs) Yes. I just felt like it was definitely something that I I needed to do and uh, I wanted to do. And it fighting the stigma is about people is about transparency and the more open that we can start being about our status and um you know how we feel about it i think uh, the closer we get to snuffing out that that stigma that's related to it because you know it was really it had it had done a lot to i think my well-being my mental well-being um, not only had I felt like I had already come from a place of lack with being gay and now I was HIV positive and there was so much shame, you know, no one obviously wants to, no. to get HIV. And actually, to be honest, I mean, I don't even think I was like slutty or hoary until afterwards because then yeah. you just sort of like you sort of like become you you feel like you don't care like you, there's this like what does it matter kind of feeling you you really don't feel worthy of anything you know mm-hmm. so it's like you you know it's just about transparency i think and authenticity and the more that people can talk about their status the more we can destigmatize it and um honestly the more we destigmatize it i think the closer we get to you know eradicating it. Absolutely. I mean, connecting with people. You've, I love your work. I'm so excited about Holy Water. But you've been starting this conversation, at least when I started knowing you with hustling. And this is, to me, even going to be deeper. But I know that you're. it's a short film that you plan to have in the festivals, mm-hmm. but you also have a series, Disciples, that can you talk, give us an insight into what that could be? Um, sure. That's still obviously in the process of becoming as well, but I have written a pilot for that. Um, and that is, it's a dark comedy about priests, right? really. 
and sort of like a dark comedy. It's, I like that. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, I I feel like I mean. Yes, hustling is definitely a drama, but um, oh, but there's some there's comedy yeah. in there. I want to go further with that, obviously, with this because I feel like I don't want it to just to be like super like heavy sure. and dark. And you know, there is a lot of comedy in life and in um, sort of the contrast that we experience. I want to um, sort of find that that dark humor in that. Um, but it's sort of, it's about these priests who, um, a couple of priests, and sort of how fucked up their lives are and how they're the ones who are counseling and teaching and how, you know, they're really sort of um, stumbling through their own messes of their own lives. That's kind of what Disciples is about. It's an exciting time, wouldn't you agree? Because now there's so many platforms and ways to, to disseminate material. You certainly yeah. did it way ahead of the curve with hustling, but now there's even more ways and platforms to get your content out there. We're currently in, you know, I, the country's divided in so many ways. Yeah. And I know with this show, Tags Podcast, that in some minor way, we're continuing a conversation about gay sexuality and all that it's involved with it. Just give us a couple thoughts on how the positivity of the time we're in to be able to create this content with holy water and mm -hmm. disciples. I mean, well, I think it's, it's, it's very, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's amazing to be able to, well, first of all, it's knowing that every, we, we all are capable of being, doing, or having whatever it is that we desire. That's the most important thing. But we didn't always have that. Well, in, we've always had it. Well, sure. We just didn't know it. Correct. You know, and a lot of people don't know it now. It's like, what do you mean I can be, do, or have anything I want? Well, you can. I mean, we turn thoughts into things. That's what human beings do. Everything that has existed up until this point, that fireplace, this this um, glass that we're, we're drinking, drinking champagne, our champagne people. out of, this <laughs> sofa, all of these things, that movie, that book, that shirt, that bracelet, they were all thoughts first. Exactly. And that's, we turn thoughts into things. And that's um, pretty powerful. And so it's learning um, your sort of you sort of your way around that and figuring that out, and uh, knowing that you are capable of anything that you can dream up. Because if the universe um, has the wherewithal to give you the idea, it has the wherewithal to help you manifest it into reality. Um, again, it's not giving you things to just like make you feel bad because you can't do them or to get you to a certain point and pull the rug out from under you. That's not the way life works, even though we have been conditioned to believe that we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, all those things. You know, realizing that contrast when difficult times happen, they're all happening for a reason. There's value in all of it. And you need those contrasting times, those difficult times to move you through to the other side. All the difficult times, all the contrast, there, it's always, there's always a problem, and a, but it's also a solution. Like, ev there's two sides to every stick. So even if there's a problem, there's a problem on one side and there's a solution on the other. And it's which side do you want to focus on with everything, every subject, relationship, money, um, well-being, everything. There's always two sides to every stick. Stick, And it's figuring out which side of the stick you're going to focus on. And that's how you move into being able to be, do, or have anything that you desire. And that realizing that you, we are unlimited. Um, and it, it is about the power of the mind. Sebastian Lacaz, will you come back and certainly talk about <laughs> holy water, but also talk to us about <laughs> so much? I mean, yes. yes, because you give us, you know, I love what you're beyond the holy water. Sure. I think it's important for all of us to hear from you. And you're so honest and real. Uh, real quick, how, when do you have a shoot date for holy water yet? Or is that, I know you just raised the money again. Just raised Congratulations. All the money. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, very. I'm. It's very exciting. I yeah. I'm just so excited to be able to um, that I get to make something yeah. again. You know, and it's so funny. Just really quickly, the whole thing, even about like sort of stepping away from acting for a minute. And it's not even like uh, I've never gave up on it. I've because you can't give up on your dreams. You right. cannot stop wanting something. It's Absolutely. always going to be there. You just have to keep you know, sort of like moving in the direction of them. Oh, so a tangent. To, um, f follow you so that people. Oh, can. please. Um, yeah, my Instagram is the Lacause. T H E Lacause is my last name. L A C A U S E. The Lacause, and my Twitter is being underscore Lacause, 
And then I'm Sebastian LaCalls on Facebook. And we can expect Holy Water to come out sometime in 2020? Um, yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to shoot it in. Shoot it. Okay, I'm got I'm going to shoot in um, probably March. This It's the holidays now. So oh, right. pre-production will probably start at the beginning of the year. And then um, shooting it in March. And then it's a short film, so it's really going to be festivals and things like that. So not until after it, do, it has its life in the festivals will it really be on a streaming platform or anything like that for for public consumption in that way. Well, we'll have you back. We'll get the update on it. For sure. Um, you know, just real quickly, you talked about vision boards. I yes. know once everyone sees your picture, because you're not bad on the eyes, people <laughs> are going to put your picture on their vision board. But are you looking just for anyone listening or you're just happily single? And Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> so happily single. Okay. And just focused on, um, yeah, myself. Because it, it's... It's really important to yeah. be able to. But you'll flirt if someone. <laughs> sure, but there wasn't even a time I like like stopped having sex for a while, like oh, in these past we couple of years. Yeah. Well, I did. I, well, honestly, too, it was like I I just didn't feel the need anymore, um, because I was discovering my own self love. Sure. It's like fuck. I know this sounds like fucking corny. It's no, bullshit, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I know it, I'm it, laughing, but no, I'm not <laughs> laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm not. But it's so true though. When you do, when you do start discovering um that kind of self-love you don't i felt like i gave myself away for so many years in that respect physically that um i i just didn't i don't feel that need or desire anymore and i honestly am not i want to become the person that i want to attract that's honestly what i'm doing i'm just working on myself and trying to be the best possible me that I could be and um, continuing to evolve. And I know you play a priest in this, but you don't want to become a priest. I don't so, want okay, to become a priest. Which, no. Okay, got it. Good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I am playing the Gives priest. Gives the people but, some hope. Yeah. Of course, I look forward to falling in love again. I look forward to my next relationship, but um, I'm enjoying um, being single. And that's not even like I'm enjoying sleeping around and going on dates because I'm not even really doing that. Right. I'm just enjoying um my own time and being with me loving me because hey, that's because if you don't like, love samantha yourself. said in <laughs> sex in the city i'm working on the relationship between me and me or something like that and, and that's what does rupaul like, say if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else can i get an amen amen like, a motherfucking men sebastian lacoste thank you so much i i loved this conversation i know people are excited about this you can watch hustling though now and cat and it's riveting i i will put it up links to it on tagspodcast.com you can follow sebastian you can go to my my youtube channel yeah um which is um s lacoste or um i think there's a direct uh access to a like a redirect is hustling webseries.com will take you right to um my YouTube channel. Perfect. Thank you so much. This my is great. absolute pleasure. This was lovely. Awesome.